coming up on the Brent Allen Podcast. The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night. And we are back with the Joe Rogan Experience. Today we have on Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey and his lying bitch of a global lead for legal policy and trust and safety at Twitter, Vijaya Gotti. And to my right, we have centrist journalist Tim Pool. Now, if you guys don't mind, I'm going to light up a fatty. Okay, I'll start. In 2015, a BuzzFeed journalist by the Twitter handle of pansexual underscore liberal underscore and underscore love men tweeted, quote-unquote, Oh, that Tim Pool. Even though I hate his political beliefs, I'm still determined to cuddle with him and give him a foot massage, end quote. Later that night, I DM'd him, quote-unquote, I would not like a foot massage. I am a bald, straight, happy man, end quote. Soon after, he replied saying, quote-unquote, I will find you and tickle your toes, end quote. That man has been sending me those same words for the past four years. So why isn't that labeled harassment? Well, Tim, as a social media network, we make mistakes and are working on those incidents. Also, before I label that harassment, I'd label you a homophobe for not letting a leftist BuzzFeed reporter who happens to be pansexual massage your feet. Okay, that's not compelling enough? Well, in 2017, a Florida man tweeted a detailed plan to assassinate President Trump. In Plan A, it appeared as if the man were going to lure the president in with a white van with the words on it saying, quote-unquote, free hamburgers, all money raised will go to sanctuary cities, end quote. As me and you both know, President Trump would head to the van for free hamburgers and contemplate on whether he would deport the man, which would be the perfect timing for, for abducting the president. But that's not all. Plan B for the assassination was to dress up as Stormy Daniels, leer the president in, and, well, it appears he would contaminate the president with an STD. Well, Tim, I don't have the tweet in front of me at the moment, but in the context of the situation, I'm sure those plans had good intentions. Okay, but getting back to marijuana, I am in full support of legalizing it. Joe, here at Twitter we promote free... <coughs> Speech even for <coughs> conservatives. Did somebody say free speech for conservatives? Well, let me tell you something. As the founder of InfoWars, I'm here to promote the Constitution as well as promote the U.S. government and the CIA from putting chemicals in the water, making the freaking frogs gay, and the chemtrails spreading their deep state propaganda. Do you hear me, Jack? 1776 was the year the government was supposed to end weather warfare and the gay bombs. Oh, I'm Alex Jones. Well, Alex, we'll look into that. But you have to remember we make mistakes and are more than happy to fix them. Okay, Jack, even though I'm completely stoned, I have a question. If you care so much about fixing mistakes, then why are they reoccurring and never get fixed when it comes to conservatives? Well, Joe, we'll look into that. And if you let me cool you one time, you be my regular style. All right, boys.
Welcome back again to the Brent Allen Podcast. Today is our 10th episode, and joining us today is political commentator, conservative teen activist, and owner of Instagram account with almost 40, or actually 45,000 followers, snowflake.tears, Amjad Yaku. Hey, what's up? Yeah, okay. So, uh, I don't know if you wanted to say anything, or we could just move on. Uh, uh, I guess I'll introduce myself. Um, my, my name's Amjad Yaku. I run the political... Graham on Instagram, Tears, which mainly leans right. I'm a activist for many groups. Uh, I worked on civil campaigns. I'm a known conservative in the South Carolina area. And yeah, honored to be on here. That's great. Thank you for coming on too. Uh, and But yep. anyways, real quick before we get into anything else, please head over to iTunes or whatever you're listening to this episode on and give the show a dazzling five-star rating. We really need some more ratings. Thank you for the people that have left ratings and positive feedback. The current reviews and ratings bring the show to four and a half stars, so thank you a lot. But go do that right now so you don't forget. If you can't, write yourself a note, leave yourself a reminder. I don't know. Do whatever you have to do. I know this is annoying, but I'm just going to keep pounding you until we get a lot more. So go do that right now. Okay, real quick, before we get into anything else, now it's time for leftist joke of the day. How many leftists does it take to change a light bulb? How many? None. They'll just pass a law against light bulbs and then wonder why it's dark. I like that. <laughs> okay, so getting into the news, Candace Owens has testified on Capitol Hill last week, and my opinion on what she... So let me just break it down a little bit more. She was testifying on behalf of white nationalism from, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, a, a clip from uh, her talking about uh, a question at a Turning Point USA event with Charlie Kirk um, on uh, Hitler and nationalism. And of course, we all know Hitler was an imperialist. He, If he was a nationalist, he would have tortured the people inside Germany. But if he were excuse me, he was an imperialist, he spread his tyranny all across Europe and, of course, a little bit all over the world. So that is just the, the basic facts on it, and my opinion is that she did absolutely great. She totally embarrassed uh, Ted Lieu and Jerry Nadler, uh, who ran the hearing, and uh, it was totally great. I don't know if you uh, saw it, Amjad. Uh, I hope I'm saying that right. I, I apologize yeah. if I'm wrong. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know if you saw it, but... Um, uh, what what is your opinion on it? If you did, uh, I watch it. And, man, that video went viral. I I uh-huh. think the largest videos that went to go viral on C-SPAN two, something like that, on the Twitter account, it went absolutely incredible. And you know that shows you that conservatives, you know, we're not just going to take this BS anymore. When they're going to call, they call Candace. Then they call Candace Owen like a, a Nazi. I think something like yeah, that. Yeah, they, they call her a Nazi, but she's a black woman, so. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's, literally, it's funny because if you're conservative, you're automatically a Nazi now. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, we I see I saw that put firsthand too. And when Trump came down here in Colombia, instead of going to the rally of debate protesters, and these guys start screaming Nazi, 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 they don't understand what a real Nazi is. They don't understand that that they don't understand what nationalism is. They think nationalism is automatically Hitler, and it, it's stupid. These these congress the congressmen who try to expose Candace should be very ashamed. Of, I think that's Ted Lou or whatever his name yeah, is. Yeah, Ted Lou. Mm-hmm. He, sh- he should be himself. Ultimately, he did an awful job at that hearing, and and mm-hmm. everybody was watching. Everybody saw the video. Even yeah, it went viral. I, I put, the Democrats saw it, the Republicans saw it, and that just shows you. Yeah, uh, but I mean, you see these. I mean, it fits their narrative when it com- when it conveniently 
fits their narrative before Trump ran for uh, uh, election for president in 2016. He was never a Nazi. He was barely called a racist. In fact, he, I forget what it was. He was rewarded uh, or awarded uh, some, I b- believe, some, I guess, diverse medal of honor. Uh, something. He was like praised by Muhammad Ali and Rosa Parks, I believe. Uh, but when it, con- when it conveniently, conveniently fits their narrative, all of a sudden Trump's a Nazi, which he, which he is not. If he's trying to be a Nazi, he's doing a really bad. He's doing really bad at it. He's not a Nazi, and it's hilarious that these people, especially Antifa, which the left and leftist Democrats in Congress always praise, it's hilarious that people that are conservatives and Democrats, whatever, Americans that went to actually fight real Nazis, real fascists in Europe and in the Pacific, I guess you could say, in World War II, they are now called Nazis, even though they fought them. The one at the State of the Union, the three, I believe, at the State of the Union, uh, one, I believe, was in the Battle of the Bulge. I think Trump uh, acknowledged him. Uh, but the three that were there, they were automatically called Nazis because President Trump praised them, even though they fought real Nazis and they were anti-Nazi and anti-fascist. I mean, I'm anti-fascist, but I'm anti-communist too. It's as simple as that. But uh, yeah, yeah. I think Trump is the most pro-Israel president we've ever had in history. If he was a Nazi, he'd hate Jews. And exactly. that's what, and that's what the left is. I mean, I, I wouldn't say all of them hate Jews, but a large, large bit of them are no, very anti-Semitic. Like- they hate the idea of Israel uh-huh. because it takes away from Palestine. They're all pro-Palestinian. We've seen that in the new Congress. That there's a good bit of the new Democrat congressmen, the freshman congressmen who are mm-hmm. Democrats, yeah. who are pro-Palestinian. Then you know we're seeing Omar and what she's doing, and Talib, who literally both both are awful congressmen. They're not congresswomen. I'm sorry. They're not doing a really good job. I mean, Omar, with her recent comments saying, just some people, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. 2,000 people. Interesting. Around 2 o'clock. I, yeah. I think it was 2-9 something. Um, but it's not some people. It was terrorists. It was 3,000. Yeah. It was 3,000 people that died. Yeah. I, I'm getting a little off topic here, but when she said that, you had Dan Crenshaw respond. And Alexander Ocasio-Cortez went to go defend him, defend her. And she said, do something about terrorists. The man literally lost his eye For to terror. Yeah. So I, she's no mm-hmm. knowledge, right? no logic. Mm-hmm. And with her New Deal, these congressmen won't stay long. I, I yeah. highly doubt. I agree. Really, I, I don't think... I don't think AOC will get reelected. I don't think maybe, maybe, just maybe Ilhan Omar will get reelected. I think Rashida Tlaib has a pretty decent chance of not getting reelected. I mean, they say the fresh faces are the the new champions, the new leaders of the Democratic Party. They're not going to last past twenty twenty four, guaranteed. The um, biggest problem if AOC would have never kicked Amazon out of New York. Yeah, twenty five thousand jobs they, she's lost. Yeah, and they were good paying jobs too. They were not bad jobs. So, yeah, I'm not sure what she's angry at. I get it. I, I mean, I agreed with her with one point saying that mm-hmm. they should be not getting tax cuts. Literally, the biggest yeah. cut on earth, and we're giving them tons of tax cuts. But to the point where they want to bail out of New York, that you know, mm-hmm. I think uh, it's stupid. Yeah, and just right before we get more into this, 
You look at what the, the Democrats and Republicans did to Walmart in the 90s. They completely freaked out about them. Um, what are they doing with Amazon now? Uh, not the same things they did to Walmart. I mean, it's a, a double standard. It really is. But uh, yeah. getting back to what we were uh, saying. Sorry. What were you saying? Uh, I, Trump, the Trump administration doesn't really like Amazon in the first place. Mm-hmm. They ne- they always are fighting it because it's taking away from American companies, from American-based companies who are trying to thrive. And it, it's just because Amazon offers cheap alternatives. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're, they're shutting down business, small businesses right, left and right. Uh, but getting to white nationalism a little bit more. So white nationalism, I just want to give pretty much, I don't have the exact definition, but the definition for all of the research I've done and pretty much what it stands for. White nationalism is, American white nationalism especially, is the idea that, I don't want to say whites are superior, that's more white supremacy, but whites should be above everybody in the country and they believe in a white ethnostate, meaning they want to kick everybody in, of Keller out of the country. So actually apply that to President Trump. Actually reply, uh, apply that to Republicans and conservatives. Do you actually think President Trump wants to kick every black man, every black woman, every Latino man and woman, every Jew and Muslim out of this country? I mean, are you kidding me? That is the it's stupidest funny. thing to say to say that. That when you when you call him a white nationalist, that is what you are saying. I mean, it's, it's different when you're calling Richard Spencer a white nationalist, but when you're calling President Trump a white nationalist, being the great things he he's done to colored people in this country, what are you talking about? The it's funny when people, you know, call me saying, "Oh, well, he wants to deport Arabs." I mean, I'm the descendant from two Iraqis. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. think he wants to deport me. I'm at his son. Mm-hmm. I don't think he. It's stupid. And then they say they want to do the Muslim ban, the travel ban. It, it's stupid that I he's calling he's calling an end from immigration from those seven countries, six countries I believe towards the end, because of the large immigrant the large chances like because after a while they, there was a lot of terrorism that came from those six seven countries. When you, we looked at Paris, so you look at England, a guy drove a truck through a couple people and killed them. It's and yeah. people freaked out. He called, they called them racist. No, that's stupid. He's doing an incredible job as presidency. He has the lowest on a black employment rate, lowest, um, I think, lowest Latino rate. Yeah. I'm pretty lowest. sure. Mm-hmm. Um, lowest, lowest women's lowest employment rate for years. Lowest, yeah, six, uh, he's doing an incredible job, and he keeps fighting for the Daily years. American. Yeah, yeah, but uh, just backtracking a little bit to white nationalism. I completely hate the ideology of it. I think it's evil. I've been extremely critical of it. Um, but the idea of whites being proud, that's not a problem with me. Whites being proud of being white, that's not a problem. And that's what a lot of people mix up. Whites being proud to be white. Listen, I'm proud to be white. I'm not proud of what white people have done in this country to minorities in the 1800s, the 1900s. But let's look at it from a political perspective those were all democrats okay those were all democratic policies i'm not i'm still not proud of that i I take ownership for it since i'm white party switched from democrats to the republicans yeah i sorry you cut out there did you say they never switched 
No, because they did switch in during the Vietnam War. Like yeah. conservatives, became, I mean liberals became conservatives, and yeah, conservatives from the, became... from the north and south because of yeah. the moving of industries down south. But uh, I, I'm fine with being proud to be white. But a lot of Democrats, most Democrats, pretty much all of them, the progressives, they mix up, and I think they deliberately mis- mix up, being proud to be white and saying, I'm superior to you, get out. And that is completely different. It really is. But just for the sake of time, uh, we're going to, um, I'm just going to dive right into this uh, hearing. And pretty much the Democrats excessively use the term white nationalism in the hearing. And Candace Owens is a black lady. Now, you might ask, why, you might say this is a double standard on my behalf. You might say, because I believe reverse racism works, I, or, or exists. Um, you might say, if a Dem- if somebody, anybody, calls, oh, says, oh, a black person can't be racist, then why am I saying Candace Owens can't be a white nationalist? Well, if you look at the things she said and supported, she is not a white nationalist. Black people, I mean, let's be realistic, they can be white nationalists, but that's the stupidest thing. Especially if you actually want to be knowledgeable about it and you want to look into it and look into the clip. She said nothing about praising white nationalism. She said Hitler was not a nationalist, she was an imperialist, and I have no problem with nationalism, which I don't either. Nationalism is good. Patriotism is just the cherry-coated version of nationalism to make it sound more appealing. That's all. That's all she said. And, of course, she was being attacked by the Democrats, and she fought back. So I just want to show this clip uh, real quick, and uh, here we go. There isn't a single adult today that in good conscience would make the argument that America is a more racist or a more white nationalist society than it was when my grandfather was growing up. And yet we're hearing these terms sent around today because what they want to say is that brown people need to be scared, which seems to be the narrative that we hear every four years right ahead of a presidential election. Here are some things we never hear. 75% of the black boys in California don't meet state reading standards. In inner cities like Baltimore, within five high schools and one middle school, not a single student was found to be proficient in math or reading in 2016. The single motherhood rate in the black community, which was at 23% in the 1960s when my grandfather was coming up, is at a staggering 74% today. I am guessing there will be no committee hearings about that. There are more black babies born, there are more black babies aborted than born alive in cities like New York, and you have Democrat Governor Andrew Cuomo lighting up buildings to celebrate late-term abortions. I could go on and on, but my point is that white nationalism, white nationalism does not do any of those things that I just brought up. Democrat policies did. Let me be clear. The hearing today is not about white nationalism or hate crimes. It's about fear-mongering, power, and control. And it's the perfect response. I mean, I really think she touched down on literally everything of race relations in the United States. You look at these people, they accuse uh, white nationalists and white supremacists of the reason why blacks are doing so bad in America. And it's really the Democrats' policies. You look at it. She said, I believe it's single motherhood rate in the 1960s or 70s was around 27%. Now it's 73%. That wasn't because of white nationalism. This country since the 1960s and 70s, has been extremely, extremely critical. And our culture has morphed and changed into targeting and demoting white nationalism and supremacy. There, the White nationalism and supremacy, let's be real. We always have to be on the lookout for it, okay? But look at it. It is dead. There are not many politicians in favor of white nationalism and 
white supremacy than those who do, I'm very critical of. As, as same with regular people and commentators. I really am. We still need to put our focus on white nationalism and supremacy, but let's be realistic. They haven't harmed the communities of minorities like the Democrats have. They're, they have not. It's a fact. They haven't. I mean, back in the day, did they, but not anymore. Not anymore. I mean, long, yeah, 60s, 50s, I mean, they did, but not anymore. And no one's denying the fact that, you know, if you're, if you actually think you're better than somebody just because you're a race, you know, that, that is wrong. Yeah. No one's denying that. No one cared. But, like, I, people think people of the opposite race thinks that's how white people actually think. Mm-hmm. That's uh, just not the case. Yeah. That's not the case whatsoever. Yeah, and I was listening to Candace Owens' uh, podcast with Larry Elder uh, yesterday. And he, I, believe, I think it was Candace Owens. She said that LeBron James, uh, I think it was LeBron James, he it was either him or Larry Elder. They went to high school, and what they went to a city high school, which was terrible community, terrible environment. Then they went to a Catholic high school with a majority of white students in the suburbs, and then they were scared. They're scared of white people because they thought they they hated them, they had hatred for them. That's what they taught in history class lies. That's what they were indoctrinated with uh, by the leftist lie. Um, and then they realized they are actually very sympathetic for black people, and they they're not proud of the history that whites have treated minorities in this country. And, and listen, I, like I said, it's Democrat, Democratic politics, policies. But I, of course, I take responsibility for it, and I think it's evil and disgusting what some whites did in this country. But you don't blame whites 200 years ago that are, were even Democrats for doing that. I, I mean, excuse me, you don't blame whites 200 years, or blame whites currently for whites 200 years ago doing that those terrible things to you, and even a hundred years ago, you, I mean, you don't. Now you know, they, there's. I heard this debate one time about reparations. Yeah. The, this lady made the claim that if you stole a million dollars from me and I died, I and you die, am I still not going to try and get that money? And then I heard the response was, "Okay, let's say, wait, God, I forgot it. Never mind." Okay. It, it was a good one. I'll find it later and send it to you. But okay, yeah, that's it, was, it was a good example. If you ever, if it ever pops back in your head, just uh, tell me whenever in the podcast. Yeah, I got you. Oh. It, was, it was a good example, though. Yeah, but reparations, like getting back to that, seven hundred and fifty thousand Americans died for reparations. I mean, they had a huge discussion on it on her podcast the other day, which I was listening to, like I just said. But seven hundred and fifty thousand Americans died for those reparations. They are free. They don't need reparations. Reparations are more government de- dependency. And like she said in the video, every four years, Democrats come around and they talk about free handouts for the black community and minorities. Um, she's exactly right. This is now the big handout for the black community. Reparations, slavery repara- rep- reparations. Every single black person alive in 2019 has not been a slave in this country. Has not. Let's get that straight. I know it sucks for their ancestors. It really does. It was terrible. But they can get on their feet. They really can. If we actually help them, if this country helps them in a positive way, which conservatives are trying to do, then I think that the numbers will switch around, that fathers will come back into the families. I think the black... I mean, you look at the Japanese even. They were treated terribly and thrown into internment 
camps. Now they are the highest earners in this country. There is no excuse for white privilege. There is no excuse for why white nationalists and supremacists are somehow in power. They're in high positions, and they're treating them badly, the minorities and blacks, deliberately. That, that's just that's not true in the case of 2019. It really isn't. It's funny when now that's like the reparations are a big promise and the Democrat candidates now. I, mm-hmm. I forget, but it's a large number of, number of candidates from the Democratic Party that are now promising reparations. Yeah, it's the handout that, that, for the 2020. The thing is that they're willing to give reparations to people who haven't done anything but we can't have a border wall, and I, I I'm, yeah. I know that's like two, you know, two completely different things. But yeah. you're compl- you're com- you're saying that you're going to give, I don't know how, I don't know what their amount they're saying, but they're going to give. It's ultimately going to end up in millions. Mm-hmm. Just saying, it's gonna, they're going to give millions, and millions of dollars to for reparations, but we can't have a border wall. Yeah, I mean it's completely border wall, which is going to protect Americans now. Not going to waste taxpayers' money. Not just going to be useless. But, yeah, it's just me. I guess. Uh, I guess I'm like the stupid one here, but I don't know. I mean, I completely understand with you. I mean, I think it's a good, uh, it's a good comparison. But just for the sake of time, we're gonna, uh, uh, we're gonna play this clip right now. It's another clip. Uh, it's pretty much. Uh, Pretty much, so they, they start, the Democrats started talking, or attacking uh, Candace Owens uh, for this clip. Uh, so, Ted Lieu pulled this clip out of his phone, put it up to the mic, and it was uh, an edited clip. And she, we're going to show the clip after, the actual full clip uh, of Candace Owens, the entire reason around this hearing, like I said, with Hitler and nationalism, uh, white nationalism too, uh, but he cut it off, he edited it, and he made it sound that she was a Nazi, and she completely rebuttaled it, and it was a great response also, and then we're going to show that clip what actually happened after, so here we go. Uh, Ms. Owens, uh, Owens, I'm sorry, we just started recording, um, would you like time to respond to that? Yes, um, I think it's pretty apparent that uh, Mr. Lou believes that black people are stupid and will not f- uh, pursue the full clip in its entirety. He purposely presented an extract, an extracted clip. Witness will suspend for a moment. It is not proper to refer disparagingly or with the member of the committee. Uh, the witness will not do that again. Witness may continue. Sure, even though I was called despicable. Um, witness may not refer to a member of the committee as stupid. I didn't refer to him as stupid. That's not what I said. That's not what I said at all. You, you didn't listen to what I said. May I continue? Please. As I said, he is assuming that black people will not go pursue the full two-hour clip. And he purposefully extracted, he cut off, and you didn't hear the question that was asked of me. He's trying to present as if I was launching a defense of Hitler in Germany, when in fact, the question that was asked of me was pertaining to whether or not I believed that Hitler was a, whether or not I believed in nationalism, and that nationalism was bad. And what I responded to was that I do not believe that we should be characterizing Hitler as a nationalist. He was a homicidal, psychopathic maniac that killed 
killed his own people. A nationalist would not kill their own people. That is exactly what I was referring to in the clip, and he purposely wanted to give you a cut-up similar to what they do to Donald Trump to create a different narrative. That was unbelievably dishonest, and he did not allow me to respond to it, which is worrisome and should tell you a lot about where people are today in terms of trying to drum up narratives. By the way, I would like to also add that I work for Prager University, which is run by an Orthodox Jew, and a single Democrat showed up to the embassy opening in Jerusalem. I sat on a plane for 18 hours to make sure that I was there. I'm deeply offended by the insinuation of, of revealing that clip without the question that was asked of me. Candace Owens literally is one of the most incredible people that I've ever seen. Her debating skills are on point. And that clip just proves that she exposes Ted. I believe that was Ted. Yeah, using that's a false cropped out video. Mm-hmm. She's incredible at what she does. Um, TPUSA overall is a great organization. I love them. There's part. They're partially the reason why I got my first campaign job. Is at the airport. I, I was never in DC. I never met one of the campaign managers or the campaign finance. One a guy who donated a large financial amount to the campaign. Yeah. So, um, hey, I really do owe a lot to Charlie Kirk, Candace Owens, Kyle. Kyle doesn't really like me anymore, but it's whatever. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, that was just a perfect response by Candace Owens. She touched down uh, on how the Democrats really shield the truth. Uh, she really cracked down on how the Democrats uh, deliberately shield the truth. They're not doing it accidentally. They're doing it deliberately. They're doing it to make conservatives look bad. They're making it to, uh, to make conservatives... Conservatives look like these imperialists and these uh, racists, which in reality, it's the exact opposite. Uh, but I, I just want to, before we get into anything else, I want to show the uh, full clip in its entirety, just like she said um, at this Turning Point USA event when somebody asked a question. Uh, and this is the comment that pretty much sparked the testimony. response that's what i just said pretty much this uh this entire podcast when i first touched down on national nationalism versus imperialism just a perfect response on breaking that uh down so uh, I, I didn't know if you wanted to say anything we could just get to the um uh our conclusion on this in the next topic i didn't know if you wanted to um say anything okay um so i think we have one more clip um so yeah, I, I think we have, sorry, one more clip. Uh, let's just play that. Oh, uh, also, I think, oh, this is it. Uh, th- this clip right here is the defining moment in this hearing. Um, she really explained how the Democratic uh, hypocrisy, and we'll discuss it real quick right after it, and we'll get to the next topic. So let's uh, play this clip really quick. American politics is that Democrats have been conning minorities into the belief that we are perpetual victims, all but ensuring our failure. Racial division and class 
warfare are central to the Democrat Party platform. They need blacks to hate whites, the rich to hate the poor. Soon enough, it'll be the tall hating the short. And that really just sums up the racial division in this country. It really, really does. Uh, I didn't know if you wanted yeah. to say anything uh, or not. Yeah, I'm good. Okay. Okay, let's uh, move on to our next topic. Uh, last week, uh, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu uh, has been re-elected this week for the f- his fifth term, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but I believe it's the fifth term. Uh, I believe it's the longest prime minister's uh, uh, how long they've served in Israeli history. He's been serving f- since the 90s. Um, so pretty much, uh, I, he was his competitor uh, was um, Benny, Benny Gantz. And I just want to introduce and explain the uh, Israeli parties really quick. So, uh, just like America, uh, the Labor Party, well, not just like, but the Labor Party is the left. Uh, the blue and white are the center. So, independent, libertarian, centrist. And Likud Party uh, is the right, or the Republicans, or conservatives. So, that's pretty much uh, how Israeli politics stands. And, of course, the left isn't nearly as radical as it uh, is in this country. But... Since, I want to say, five, ten years, uh, the Labor Party and the left has really fallen apart. So, you're going to hear Likud and Blue and White a lot in this conversation. Uh, so, the being the left has fallen apart, there have been attempts to put it back together, the Labor Party, but it really hasn't worked. Um, so, the Blue and White Party and the Likud Party, the right, has really rivaled... I'm sorry? Wait, I just thought of this. So, if the left party of Israel is just like the liberals, I mean, I mean are they, they just going to go, when they get elected, are they just going to go over to Palestine and just give them Israel? Like, yeah, that, that's where we're going to get to in this. Uh, but, uh, I mean, they are, a lot of them are radical, but they aren't nearly as radical as leftist America, undemocratic America. <laughs> but, I mean... Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of Arabs in the in the leftist party, the left party, the Labour Party, and I mean, it has really fallen apart. And they really want to make concessions and uh, negotiate with Palestine. That's impossible because Palestine is run by terrorists. They're run by Hamas and Al Qaeda and a little bit of ISIS. They're run by them and and uh, um, Iranian puppets. They're run by them, and in their free time, they plan to shoot rockets into Israeli civilian areas and kidnap um, Israelis. Um, but it's impossible to negotiate with them. You can name a ton of concessions by Israel. You cannot name one by Palestine. Palestine has not conceded once to, to Israel. They have not negotiated and sat down with them once. Israel is really the greatest country in the Middle East, I believe. It's amazing that they're even standing up. They have regular elections. They are, it's really little America in the Middle East, and it's run by the right people. Um, yeah. But Palestine, they haven't even had an election since, what, 06? It's very, very corrupt. It's evil. You can't even go on the um, eastern side of Israel and pray. Pray for Jesus or Moses if you're a Jew. You'll be detained and possibly killed. You cannot. But if you are on the western side... Western Jerusalem, Israeli Jerusalem, and you're a Muslim and you're praying to Muhammad or whoever, you have the right to. You're free. And somehow the Democrats still, still 
back Palestine. Just amazing. But um, the Democrats in this country are rooted for Benny Gantz and the of the Blue and White Party in hopes of Gantz uh, reuniting the Labor Party, which would lead to compromise, co compromises and concessions uh, with the Palestinians. But in the midst of all of this, like I just said, Israel cannot negotiate with Palestine for the reasons I gave. Uh, but just diving deeper into this, the New York Times, of course, is very anti-Semitic and anti-Israel. And uh, they, they published an article, I believe, after the election, after the results came in, uh, titled Israel's Lesson for the Democrats in 2020. So here are some excerpts from this that I pulled out. So we're just kind of kind of rebuttal to this. Gather nationalist and religious voters in your camp. Add in a strong economy. Dose with fear. Sprinkle with strong men. Appeal. Inject a dash of racism in victory is yours. Whatever indictments are looming. So, of course, what when this person who wrote this, um, I don't know his name. I don't have it with me. Uh, but the New York Times journalist that wrote this, he believes Netanyahu is a racist. He believes, and of course, the left... Leftist America characterizes Netanyahu to be this dictatorial figure reigning over Israel in tyranny or something. In, in reality, Netanyahu has really given much freedom to Israelis and, of course, Palestinians and anybody in Israel. Like I just said, you can you can pray on the Western Jerusalem, Western Jer Jerusalem at the Wall, or, I'm sorry, whatever it's called, and you will not be arrested or detained or interrogated or tortured or killed you are free to do that you are not characterized if you're arabs there are some arabs living living in israel and they're very happy people they're much better off than they are in the muslim world like palestine or syria or iraq they're much better off they're much better people but of course he's still characterized as a dictatorial figure and he's freed up the markets hugely uh but I don't know if you wanted to say anything on that, or uh, not. Uh, no. Okay, uh, so the next part is, he's a true believer in greater Israel and will not give up one inch of the land between the Mediterranean and the Jordan River. There will be no Palestine, Palestinian state on his watch, period. Okay. What's the problem? All of Israel, even Palestine and the Golan Heights, is Israel. Name one time in history that Palestine has actually existed as an organized country. Not once. Name one time Israel has. Um, for thousands of years. So let's just break that down very simply. Wh which one is the country? Um, uh, okay, before uh, I get into anything uh, else, uh, uh, Snowflake has to leave. Go check out his Instagram, uh, Instagram page. Snowflake.tears. Please go check it out. It's really great. He has a lot of followers. He does a lot of conservative and free thinker-like, I guess, uh, quality content. I didn't know if you wanted to say any last words or not. Um, I want to thank you for having me on here. Was it yeah, very anytime. enjoyable? Um, I, I would have probably stayed longer, but I'm very tired and I got work in the morning. So No, it's good. Uh, okay. You're doing incredible everything you're doing with this podcast. Thank you. And um, people are noticing. We are... In the conservative movement, you know, we're, we're growing every single day. And if there is anybody watching this who wants to get involved, you know, contact me. Let's get you involved. Let's start. Let's get you a page. Let's get you a career in politics. I'll be happy to help. Yeah. Anyways. So uh, thank you for coming on. Uh, 
Okay. Bye. Bye. Okay. Uh, Amjad have, had to leave, but go check out his Instagram page, snowflake.tears. Really great quality content. Quality conservative, free thinker, I guess you could say, content. So go check that out. But getting back to what we were saying, Palestine has never been a country. Israel has been a country for hundreds and even thousands of years. Now, with this knowledge given, with this evidence given, why is the left in America still, still supporting Palestine? It is because of the grassroots in the Democratic Party of being so anti-Semitic and anti-Israel, of course, that they just want the Jewish vote, which they have a majority of in this country, sadly. And, on top of that, they believe Palestine is an actual country. I mean, I don't want to say they believe it is, but with the evidence giving, with the the anti-Israel rhetoric, and even policies, of course, they are very pro-Palestine. Uh, but getting back to uh, the article, this is the next part. So, the Gantz performance... The Gantz performance was remarkable. It demonstrated the deep disquiet of liberal Israel over Netanyahu, the king. So, of course, the left is, of course, in the United States and, say, in Israel, labeling Netanyahu as a dictatorial figure, which he is not. I gave the evidence. He is not a dictatorial figure. He's freed up the markets. He's uh, he's given much freedom to Arabs, Israelis, Palestinians living in Israel. I mean, it is... Literal hypocrisy being Palestine kills its civilians, Hamas. It really is. They c- kill them for no reason. It really is just disgusting. Uh, but the next part says, In the longer term, Israeli politics will turn into the question of annexation. At the last minute, to shore up the right, Netanyahu promised to start annexing the West Bank if he won another term. The United Right and other extreme parties will not let him forget it. First thing, annexing the West Bank, which is pretty much Palestine, Palestinian settlements, um, that is Israel's. So I support him. So I just want to break down what I believe when I'm pro-Israel and when I'm not. Um, I am pro-Israel when they expand into their territory. If they expand into Egypt like they did in well, 1967, then I am not pro-Israel. I will fight alongside the Egyptians. I will support them. I will support to get Israel out. That's not Israel's land. It never was. And I think it was, they wrongly took it in 1967. Because they caused problems in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s and they finally stopped along with Netanyahu running. Netanyahu's not going to advance, I don't think. I think he'll take back whatever he wants. Not whatever he wants, I said that badly. Whatever is actual Israeli land and I think he'll stop it. If he doesn't, then we need to get involved. President Trump needs to put his foot down and say, Netanyahu, you cannot go outside. There has been no indications that he'll do that yet. I don't, I don't think they, that will happen. But if he does, we need to do that. There needs to be precautions. There, there, no, there's no evidence that he'll actually do that. There, there's none. But getting back to it, the second thing they said, extreme parties. Okay, what is more extreme? Preserving the constitutional and Western Judeo-Christian values? This is ta- I'm talking about the Republican and Democratic parties of this country. Is that extreme? Not pressing it on anyone. No, nobody said anything about that or creating a utopian communist society in which the government rules over with tyranny over the people completely 
stripping them of their economic freedom and their personal freedom, especially their personal freedom if they speak out against the government. Which sounds more extreme, because that's where the Democratic Party is heading. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I think if the, 20, if the Democrats lose 2020, which I think they have a really good chance, I think the only person that has a chance of beating President Trump is Joe Biden. I don't think if Joe Biden runs after this controversy with him touching women, if he does, I think he'll lose. I think he'll get mowed down quick by the leftist extremists like Bernie Sanders and Kamala Harris. I don't think Obama will support him. Obama was a stepping stone. His ideology, so along with Joe Biden, was a stepping stone to get to this more progressive, per se, America. Um, I think Obama will just leave Joe Biden there. And I think either Bernie or Kamala will win. People say Beto will. That's stupid. He lost to Ted Cruz. And guess who, lost to, or guess who Ted Cruz lost to? Trump. Yeah. But I think if Bernie or Kamala, say Bernie in this case is up against Trump in the general election, I think he will lose. Because, like I said, moderates, and of course traditional Democrats, will not vote for a progressive. But progressives will vote for moderates. They'll do anything to get Democrats in. So I think those moderates, and I think all of pretty much, the traditional Democrats will not vote for the progressive, Bernie Sanders. And I think, therefore, after that, you saw in 2016... Every single election cycle since 2008, the Democrats have gone much more radical and much more progressive. 2008, 2012, that's when identity politics was widely used. It was the election that completely, well, let's say 2016 is the election that took down our social fabric. But 2016 happened, and then there comes the progressive Democrats. I think 2020, I th- right now they're Democratic Socialists. That's what they say. They're, it's really, I think they're Communist. When they say they're Democratic Socialists, the progressives... I think they're going to come out of 2020 when they lose. I think they will lose. I think they have a great shot at losing. I think they'll say they're democratic communists. So that's why I say they are so they are moving so far to the left. Soon they're going to be Marxists. I mean, they're moving so far to the left. And the and conservatives, they're staying fairly moderate. They're, I mean, if you want to say Republicans and conservatives, since 2014... They, the Republicans have moved a little bit farther to the right, being we want to be more conservative and more open with our views on like these big government Republicans like the Bushes and McCain. But we have stayed fairly moderate. The Democrats have not. They're going off the rails. And he says these extreme parties, this journalist, what the hell is he talking about? I mean, really, what the hell is he talking about? It doesn't make any sense with the evidence provided. Um... And then, that is it for this. So, in conclusion, like I said, I'm pro-Israel, okay? I, I believe that it's Israel's rightful land. The West Bank is. Golan Heights is. I think Israel has every right to annex it. I think the U.S. should get involved if they go outside those boundaries, which, I, with the evidence provided, they will not. I think Gaza Strip is potentially, I think, actually is Israel's land, too. Um, and I support Netanyahu. I support him. Like I said, I'm a free thinker. But I'm going to try to follow um, Israeli politics much more after this election. Uh, and I'm going to try to follow some British politics too. But uh, anyways, I th- I'm pro-Israel. I think this is great for the country. I think Benny Gantz would have not uh, brought the, the party back to the left, back to the Labour Party. I think he would have stayed fairly moderate in the middle with the Blue and White Party. Um, but I think it's great. I think Netanyahu being reelected was a wonderful 
um, move. But moving on to our main topic, internet censorship. Uh, the left's brutal agenda to shut down conservatives. Um, so pretty much, as you know, for the last 10? 10? Oh, uh, no, not 10. Five years, I'd say. For the last five years, the Democrats have highly, and their leftist companies such as Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and YouTube have highly, highly shut down and censored conservatives, which is just, like I said, I don't say pure evil a lot, but it really is because it's going against our constitutional culture. Um, But as you know, the left has seriously censored conservatives, whether it's on social media, whether it's in the classroom, whether it's in everyday life, in the workplace. In this case, we're going to be talking about internet censorship. But they've been censoring conservatives and indoctrinating many people with their leftist agenda. Uh, so pretty much the first thing we're going to be talking about is the Joe Rogan interview with Jack Dorsey and his associate in Tim Pool, who, who I'm actually very in favor of. Um, so Joe Rogan, as you know, I don't know if you watch him or not, he sits back much of the time. He doesn't interject himself much. He doesn't press his views on many people at all. He just sits back and let people talk and debate. So that's what he did with these uh, interviews. Uh, so I just want to play the first clip. And it's really disgusting what goes down. It really sums up how the, one of the main components on how the internet censorship is really executed. So I'm going to show that right now. Ideologically bent, and and it's it's true. You you did the research. You believe this. 
Church and doesn't believe it. And that's exactly right. He is exactly right. That's why I said, I really like Tim Pool. He has his facts. He's a good guy. But anyways, like he said, it is really bent. It is really twisted. It is really disgusting on how if I misgender somebody, and like he said, it's inverted. I believe misgendering is when a biological man is born. I think if you call Caitlyn Jenner a woman, that is misgendering. If you call the person that mugged Ben Shapiro on live TV, Zoe Turr, former Bob Turr, a woman, that is misgendering. But of course, the left has to press their disgusting agenda on us. And listen, I am for this rule too. But you have to give a good balance with it. That's not the left. What the guy said in the last article of the New York Times journalist, the, the extreme parties, this is one of the huge components within the extreme Democratic Party. What the Democrats have really morphed into over the last two and a half years, three years. It really is. I Listen, and people say, oh, what is the solution to instead of trans, being transgender. So let me just break this down really quick. I am not, I, I, I don't believe, I think it is disgusting that leftists are encouraging, Democrats are encouraging people to become transgender. And they believe that solves the cure. cure. There are tons, tons of studies on it, on how it doesn't. And then they, they, they throw out their other arguments saying, oh, because they don't have support within their family and friends. There are studies that show when they do have support within their family and friends, they're still suicidal. It does not fix it. It does not. As a society, we need to promote the free market. We need to promote innovations and inventions on how to actually cure gender dysphoria. And is it effective and is it not? Because being transgender, transgender reassignment surgery is not effective. The suicide rate is, I believe, 44%. That's the highest suicide rate in the history of mankind. Were the Jews living under German-Austrian rule? That's, was that, I believe, 90%? 44% is still extremely high. Reassignment surgery is not the answer. It's simple and clear. But for me to go on Twitter and say that, or any social media network and say that it's not the cure, and say that I don't believe in it, I'm not going to call you a woman if you're a biological man, vice versa, and that is apparently hate speech. And of course you can twist hate speech to your narrative. You, of course you can pin people down for hate speech, which I think is, is the stupidest rule on all social media platforms, most of them, of course. But this rule, I'm in favor of. This rule, how they handle it and how they m moderate it, it is just ridiculous. I am not for the bullying harassment of transgender individuals. But guess what? I'm not going to call them by their preferred pronouns if they were not a biological woman or man. Period. Moving on uh, to the next clip. Uh, this one really showed the double standard with, with what Tim sa uh, Poole said. And it's so true. True. Uh, so here we go. This is a new vector of attack that people have felt that I don't want to be on this platform anymore because I'm being harassed and abused and I need to get the hell out. Well, people harass and abuse me all day and night. You don't do anything about that. I, I, my, my, my notification's permanently locked at 99. You have it worse than I do. I mean, you got substantially more followers 
and I don't click the notification tab anymore because it's basically just harassment. And I, even when, so this is a really funny anecdote. I, I was uh, covering a story in Berkeley, and someone said, if you see him, attack him. Like, it, it, was, it was, I'm paraphrasing, they said, basically to swing at me, take my stuff, steal from me. And Twitter told me after review it was not a violation of their policy. Somebody made an allusion to me being a homosexual, and I reported that, instantly gone. So when I show, so so for me, I'm looking. I'm like, well, of course, of course, Twitter is going to enforce the social justice aspect of their policy immediately. In my opinion, probably because you guys have uh, PR constraints and you're probably nervous about that. But when someone actually threatens me with a crime and incites their followers to do it, nothing got done. Well, and I'm not the only one who feels that way. Well, Tim, that's a mistake. If someone acts in that manner and threatens to hurt you, that's a violation of our rules. Right. Maybe there was a mistake there, and I'm happy to go and correct that, and we can do it offline so we don't fear any sort of reprisal against you. But that's a mistake. And of course, Tim Pool's associate, or whatever you want to call her, comes in and saves the day with her, of course, it's a mistake, argument. But in reality, these mistakes are so reoccurring that it's a part of conservative conservatives' lives, whether it's over social media or not. In, the, in this case, it's social media. It's a part of our lives. We know every time we're tweeting something, every time we're commenting something, every time we're posting something or sharing something, that we have the possibility to not only be censored for a little bit, but we have the possibility to be threatened, our accounts maybe a million followers, 50 or 100,000 followers to completely be terminated, which is totally ridiculous. You get a, a lot of followers. You get your movement and your name and your message really starts to get out there and you get excited. And then comes Jack Dorsey with the delete button. Terminates your account. It really shows the double standard. Leftists on social media do not get harassed. If I would go on Twitter right now, and try to harass somebody, any leftist, I would be terminated out of the wazoo. My account would be terminated. I would be gone in a second. But if a leftist, if a communist, whoever, comes on and attacks me, they're still on. And my pro-American, pro-Constitution tweets are still deemed sensitive content. Just shows the ridiculous double standard with Jack Dorsey and the left. Uh, and moving on to our next branch of this topic, another recent attempt to censor conservatives. And a good point to discuss is Hunter Avalon. So last week, Hunter Avalon, Avalon excuse me, is a conservative uh, YouTuber who makes, honestly, I, I don't really watch his videos. I just know he's a really good guy. He makes, I, I want to say, two or three videos a week. It takes a lot of time to make those videos anyway. But uh, anyway, he makes those. He makes conservative videos, and he talks about. I mean, this. I'm I, I'm critical of Hunter Avalon. Okay, I mean, I like him. I think it would be better if he started a podcast because I like podcasts. But his videos, he he. I don't want to say he talks about weird things, but he talks about the things that I don't talk about. That regular commentators don't talk about. He talks about fat pride in gay pride and the ways you don't want to hear it if you are if you are a delusional leftist. He talks about fat pride. He talks about fat acceptance. All of this other things that are this really edgy. And I have been critical of him for going a little bit too far, just like Milo. He's gone far too. But overall, I still support him. I still stand by him. And so last week, YouTube decided to censor him for no reason. So on YouTube, you get, I believe, I'm not big with YouTube, 
you get three community guideline strikes, and you get free or three copyright strikes. So he didn't. I think he had one copyright strike, uh, which is just for copyright reasons. Uh, once you have three, you're censored. You're done, which is fine. And then you have three community guideline strikes, which means hate speech and all of the other things like threats. Um, but um, he didn't. I think he had one or none community guideline strikes. Then he wakes up the next morning after he posted this, I believe, fat acceptance video. And his account is completely terminated. So, YouTube sent him an email and it said, quote-unquote, We'd like to inform you that due to the repeated or severe violations of our community guidelines, they put a link in there, your YouTube account, Hunter Avalon, has been suspended. We'd like to, we'd like to inform you that due to repeated or severe violations of our community guidelines, which was not repeated, I think he only had one or zero strikes, your YouTube account has been suspended. After review... We have determined that your account actively violated our community guidelines, which state that hate speech is not acceptable on our site. Quote, unquote, hate speech, end quote, means content that promotes hatred or violence against members of our protected group, race or ethnic origin, religion, disability, gender, age, veteran status, and sexual orientation slash gender identity. That's, that's what they said, hate speech. Please be aware that you are prohibited from making any more content, blah, 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 blah. So pretty much hate speech. That's, this is why I'm so against hate speech. Oh, it just grinds my gears. So hate speech is, one, not a speech that is prohibited under the Constitution. I believe there are six or seven types of speech that are not, that not allowed under the Constitution. Hate speech is not one of them. And the reason being, because the founding fathers were smart, Okay. They looked at what, not what they wanted, but what they didn't want. And hate speech fell under that category. Hate speech means that any party, any person, any ideology can bend hatred or violence or offensive content or actions to what, that, what fits their narrative. That's what hate speech is. And it's disgusting for the right and left and center to use it. Right and center hasn't really used it. They're pro-constitution. They, they don't like hate speech. Listen, I hate see hate speech too. But if a white supremacist walks around with a neo-Nazi flag, I'm probably going to go out and protest it and call them out for racism. But guess what? That's free speech. Hate speech is free speech, and free speech is a human right. So what is the left trying to take away? It's just absolutely disgusting. And of course, Hunter Avalon didn't even have three community guideline strikes for him to be censored. Uh, so, completely disgusting. Uh, and Hunter Avalon, he actually made a, a video rebuttaling and explaining the last double standard. Uh, and th this was it. He kind of woke up the next morning and he kind of... Oh no, this was the week after, I believe. Yeah, he, um, he was talking about how he woke up the next morning and his experience with being censored and all of the chaos that occurred. So I posted a video on Sunday night, as I usually do, and it was performing normally, so I went to bed. The next morning, however, my YouTube channel was deleted, suspended, completely gone. I was given no warnings, and I didn't even receive three strikes. So that's my what we're talking about. Just community completely right? terminated out of the blue. I'm not going to get up here and lie to you guys. I was definitely pretty worried. I mean, this is my job, and I worked for several years to build my channel into what it is today. So that's just it to sum it up. Uh, so it's just really disgusting. Like he said, 
you spend, like I said too, you spend so much time and effort into this, getting your, your word out, you out, your message out. And then comes Jack Dorsey, and then comes Sundar Pichai, and then comes Mark Zuck, and they censor you for quote-unquote hate speech, a.k.a. an opinion that doesn't align with their narrative. That's what it is. And he definitely summed it up in that video. You can go watch it. Uh, it's titled, I Got Banned by Hunter Avalon, all caps. But, I mean, it really just sums it up. We have to get through this really quick. Uh, but in the midst of all of this, YouTube briefly censoring Hunter Avalon's account, a ton of conservative commentators all around the country took it to it and called YouTube out for their hate for conservatives. So Mark Dice, at Mark Dice, tweeted, he's a great commentator, I really like the guy, YouTube just deleted Hunter Avalon's entire channel for making fun of SJWs. Say he didn't says he didn't even have any strikes, but then completely but they completely banned him. He's a conservative millennial who had over six hundred thousand subscribers now censored for wrong thing. So going against their opinion, um their narrative. So Brittany Pettibone at Brit Pettibone tweeted, uh Hunter Avalon pretty much tweeted about the email I just read, and then Brittany Pettibone came in and said Hunter Avalon's channel has just, have just has just been suspended by YouTube. Um, this next clip is I forget his name. He's with slightly offensive. I don't know if you'll know by his voice. Really good guy. Um, and I just want to play that real quick. He's really good friends with Hunter Avalon. He's a centrist too, but he has very conservative uh, views. So let me just play that right now. Hunter always talked about topics that the left doesn't want you to talk about. Number one, he would talk about the LGBTQ community, sometimes in ways that was very accurate, but that people didn't like. Um, he also spoke about weird things, like he would attack liberal newspapers like Fox and BuzzFeed and, and talk about how stupid they were. Um, he wasn't overtly mean, especially if you're on the right side of the political spectrum. He was actually pretty normal. But YouTube came in and said, look, we don't care that you didn't violate our guidelines. We don't care that you didn't come in and that you didn't, uh, you know, do anything against our rules. We don't like you, so we're going to delete you because we think that you are hate speech. That YouTube, just like Twitter, has raised itself above our Constitution and our Bill of Rights. They have put themselves above the law of the land. Now, if you guys don't know, just recently, about a month ago, the Supreme Court also had a landmark ruling that said that hate speech is protected free speech. There is no such thing as hate speech, that it doesn't exist. So right now, what YouTube has done is we have given these companies the right to enlist and enact ideas and, and ordinances that are above the Constitution. Because the Supreme Court's ruled, right, their job and their office in, in this judiciary, um, or as AOC likes to call it, the three branches of, of Congress, <laughs> uh, but in the three branches of government, the judiciary is there to interpret the Constitution. Now, they said that hate speech isn't real. YouTube says it is. Twitter says it is. Why are we letting these conglomerates in Silicon Valley decide what is more of the law than the law that we wrote? Because these companies are now working against us as the people instead of for us as the people. And... I don't say this much, but the government needs to get involved. Us conservatives can only do so much. When I mean conservatives, I mean activists, commentators, journalists. We can only do so much. We need politicians involved. We could only do so much with the colleges, too, the campuses, with the leftist indoctrination and intolerance. We could only do so much with that. But guess who stepped in? President Trump. You know what he did? He issued, I believe, a law or an executive order saying 
that he's going to cut funding for people not protecting conservatives' free speech. We need to do that exactly on these platforms, too. Or there will be consequences for these platforms, for these people running them. Mark Dye, or excuse me, Zuckerberg, um, Sundar Pichai, um, uh, what's the Jack Dorsey. There, there needs to be consequences for these people, for these platforms, if they don't abide by the Constitution. Listen, I know they're private companies, too. But guess what? They need to abide by our Constitution, just as these college campuses are ordered to do by the president. And I don't say much that the government needs to get involved. I think the government is a necessary evil. But guess what? They need to get involved to ensure free speech and promote the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. And it's ridiculous that our politicians, that we elect every two and four years, and six, are letting this slide. It really is. But uh, getting next to the next clip, another commentator or an activist uh, speaking out against the YouTube leftist agenda um, is James Alsop. I don't watch him that much either, but he's a really good guy. He makes really good videos. So I'm just going to play this, and it really sums up the intolerance among YouTube and the left. We've seen prominent YouTubers be banned from the site temporarily before. Stefan Molyneux, back in, I believe, of August of this year, of last year, August of 2018, he was the subject of a mass uh, false flagging campaign where people came and reported his videos for hate speech or, or what have you. He won on appeal, uh, that, but that was not the only YouTuber that happened to. In fact, that happened to my channel as well, and I was hit with, with um, I believe, in one night, a couple dozen videos that were put into restricted state, uh, a couple dozen videos that were demonetized, and one that got me a channel strike. So we've seen massive flagging campaigns like this before, but that's the difference. Hunter's channel wasn't terminated as a result of a mass flagging campaign. In fact, there were no videos that YouTube sent to him that they found objectionable. Nothing on his channel was placed in a limited state or restricted. Let's take a look at the email he got from Google, which he posted on his Instagram page. We'd like to inform you that due to repeated or severe violations of our community guidelines, your YouTube account has been suspended. After review, we have determined that your account violated our community guidelines, which state that hate speech is not acceptable on our site. Hate speech means content that blah, 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 blah. Before, when they would ban you citing specific videos you made, at least you could understand or come up with a rationalization for why you were banned. This is an entirely dystopian new level. Essentially, what they're saying is, we don't like you, you're guilty of wrong, think, goodbye. And it really does show all the support Hunter Avalon. Uh, has got from all these commentators, these conservative commentators, these activists, so many people uh, coming out to speak out against the uh, left-wing, leftist censorship um, on the internet, over YouTube, everywhere. Um, and I just want to conclude and just really kind of set in how inter internet censorship, um, how, how it's affecting this country. Uh... In that one clip, like it said, the clip before, uh, the one I just played, he said that these um, executives in Silicon Valley are, are essentially going above the Constitution. And the one time politicians don't interject is for this issue. Politicians interject in everything, and absolutely everything, in the free market especially. But they don't interject in the things that matter, like free speech. And that's one thing that I love about Trump. A couple weeks ago, he just signed a, what was it, a law or an executive order uh, saying that he will, be, I think I mentioned it actually earlier, 
he would would cut funding for any colleges or universities that don't protect free speech. And that's exactly what we need on the internet too. We really need that. And it's really really disgusting that the Democrats, Democratic members in Congress, our, our leaders that we elected, are supporting this. It just shows you. It is so disgusting. It really is. But uh, that's all for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Tell your family, friends, neighbors, and even liberals. Give it a rating. We really need a rating. If you don't do it, then we won't be doing this much longer because it won't grow and we won't get enough support. So go do that right now. If you can't, write a note. Leave yourself a reminder. I don't know. Just give it a rating and subscribe. Stay tuned for the upcoming episode. Peace out. The Brent Allen Podcast is an Anchor Publishing production, anchor.fm2019.